So Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Maybe before we begin our Bible lesson, we could just have a brief word of prayer. Lord God, we pray that we might hear your word afresh tonight. I pray that our ears might be attentive to what you want us to learn. And that every time we hear your word, we might be challenged. We might be comforted. We might be convicted. We might be drawn closer to you that we might better understand who you are and all of your greatness and how we are a privileged people that belong to you. So bless each one tonight as we engage in the hearing of your word. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Well, let me just tell you right up front my outline. I'll tell you right up front what I'd like us to get out of this passage. Three things. Now, in saying that there's three things I want us to learn, that doesn't mean there's just three things you might learn from this passage. You can go home and study it and and ask God to help you. And I'd like you to learn three things tonight. Number one, God is sovereign. Number two, the Bible is true. Number three, Jesus is Lord. So keep these in mind, especially when you're going through hard times or trials and troubles overwhelmed you or your world feels like it's falling apart. Keep in mind, God is sovereign. The Bible is absolutely true. And Jesus is Lord. Because when I go through hard times and have problems, whether you go through hard times and have problems or your world is coming apart at the seams, guess what? God is still sovereign. The Bible is still true. And Jesus is still Lord. So keep that in mind. Okay, so uh, God is sovereign, the Bible is true, and Jesus is Lord. So let's talk about these things tonight. So Peter is preaching, and when I read this passage, I cannot help but notice the boldness of Peter. Remember, this was the Peter who said, Lord, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go anywhere with you, I'll even die with you. And Jesus had to humble him and say, look at Peter. You know, before the rooster crows in the morning, you will have denied me and disowned me in three times. Peter didn't think that would ever happen. But the situation dramatically changed in the Garden of Gethsemane that fateful night. And Jesus was arrested and taken away and all the disciples were scattered. And yes, Peter did deny the Lord at least three times before the rooster crowed in the morning. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. He was so sorry he disappointed his Savior. Jesus didn't fire him, did he? (laughs) Jesus made a personal appearance uh, in his resurrection to Peter, and and, uh, they talked, and I believe Jesus uh, reassured Peter of his love for him, and now Peter is being used by the Lord. And I cannot help but notice the boldness and the courage of Peter. Peter is not mincing his words. He's standing right up there and preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. And And he announces in verse 22, and this is the first point, God is sovereign. He says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth is a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, and you all know about this. Him, Jesus, verse 23, him, Jesus, being delivered, that's a reference to being delivered over to be crucified, Jesus being delivered by what? By the determined 
counsel, the determined plan and the foreknowledge of God. So Jesus was crucified not by accident. God didn't have some other plans for Jesus and somehow at the last minute things spun out of control and and God had to do damage control. No, it was God's plan that his Messiah suffer and go to the cross to be that final all-sufficient sacrifice for our sins. So Jesus went to the cross in accordance with the plan and the purpose of God. But notice what verse 23 says. Boy, Peter is making these people smart. He's making them uncomfortable because Peter says, You, you have taken Jesus by lawless hands. Notice Peter doesn't say, Oh, it was God's plan all along that Jesus be crucified, so so that's okay. No, no, it's not okay. He says that their hands were lawless, their hands were wicked, their hands were evil in crucifying Jesus. He says here in verse 23, You... You people have taken by lawless hands and you have crucified Jesus and you put him to death. Notice verse 24, but that's not the end of the story. Verse 24, whom God, what? Whom God raised up. God is the God of reversal. God is the God who can reverse circumstances and that's what he did at the cross. God was there with Jesus when he was being crucified and God raised up Jesus. So we see here, God overturns the verdict of sinners. The human verdict of these uh, religious uh, leaders and of the Romans was that Jesus will be crucified. That was their verdict. The religious leaders of Israel, they rejected Jesus. They scoffed at him. They mocked him. They put him to death. They didn't think he could possibly be the Messiah. And of course, they all these religious leaders all wanted to protect their own turf. They were envious. They were jealous. Jesus was getting, getting quite a following. And they were jealous of Jesus' following and his popularity with the people. So they had Jesus put to death. They conspired and had him crucified. But God overturned all of that. And years ago, as I was studying these things, I thought to myself, Wow, God has the last word. God has the final say-so. And I always need to remember that. When, when things are going well or whether things are going badly for me, whether things go according to my plans or they don't go according to my plans or my good intentions, I need to realize God always has the last word. And that's what the resurrection teaches us. God has the last word. God has the final say-so. And this God that has the final say-so is the God who loves us and sent His Son and put Jesus on the cross for the likes of us so that we could know God and enjoy Him forever. There's a saying that goes something like this. Man proposes, but God disposes. (laughs) And so just remember, God has the last word. God has the final say-so. Just remember that. Whether you're suffering or there's a loved one suffering. Maybe there's someone that's in your family that's sick. Maybe the prognosis isn't good. God has the last word. Not the government. Not the doctors. Not the scientists. Not the engineers, as much as we appreciate these people, and these people represent God's gifts to us and God's mercy, but God has the last word. God is sovereign. God is in control. God was in control when Jesus was crucified, and he was in control when Jesus was raised from the dead, and he's still in control today. Praise God. We need to live like it. Okay, so notice at the end of verse 24, uh, Peter, as he speaks here, says, uh, Whom God raised up, uh, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that Jesus should be held by the pains of death. It was not possible that Jesus could be gripped 
and confined and concealed by the power of death. Why is that? Well, I remember that Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus is the one who, along with God the Father and God the Spirit, created everything. Jesus, along with God the Father and God the Spirit, is the author of life. How can you kill God? How can you kill deity? How can you put to death the author and the person who gives life to everything in the entire universe, including us? Yet as I look at the passage, I realize that Peter seems to be thinking especially of the Old Testament and the Psalms. He's going to quote Psalm 16 here. It was not possible that Jesus should be held by the pains of death because the Old Testament foretold and prophesied and predicted and promised that the Messiah would be raised from the dead. So, this leads me to my second point. The Bible is true. Whatever God announces, whatever God prophesies, whatever God promises must come to pass. And so now we have this beautiful quote from Psalm 16. And if you will, let me read it again as if Jesus were speaking. I mean, I believe Jesus, uh, of course, unbeknown to David when he wrote this, probably didn't realize it, but Jesus was speaking. And so let me read the words again, and, and every time I get to a personal pronoun, I'll try to do my best to identify it as either Jesus or God the Father. And so just uh, go with me again through this uh, quote. This begins in verse 25. And I'll try to read it as if Jesus himself were speaking. So verse 25 says, For David says concerning Jesus, I, Jesus, foresaw the Lord. I, Jesus, foresaw God the Father always before my face. For he, God the Father, is at my, Jesus' right hand that I, Jesus, may not be shaken. Therefore my heart, the heart of Jesus, has rejoiced. In my tongue, the tongue of Jesus was glad. Moreover, my flesh, the flesh of Jesus, will also rest in hope. Because you, you, God the Father, will not leave my soul, the soul of Jesus, in Hades. Nor will you, God the Father, allow your Holy One, Jesus, to see corruption. You, God the Father, you have made known to me, Jesus, the ways of life. You, God the Father, will make me, Jesus, full of joy in your presence. That's exactly what happened. Jesus was raised from the dead, and he was exalted to the right hand of God the Father. And Jesus was there in the presence of God, enjoying the presence of God the Father as the risen, exalted, enthroned Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible is true. Every prophecy will happen. Every promise will occur. We can stake our lives on the word of the living God. Number three, Jesus is Lord. So now Peter goes on to explain this passage. He has to explain this to the people. He's quoted from Psalm 16, but he has to explain it. And he says in so many words, look, this cannot possibly be referring to David. David is dead. He's still dead. David has not come back from the dead, and his tomb is still here. So it's not referring to David. Well, then who is it referring to? It's referring to Jesus, the Messiah. And then uh, Peter explains all this. In fact, he's going to quote from Psalm um, 110. So notice, if you will, verse 29 again. He says, Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, because everybody respects David. Uh, These Jews had a lot of regard for David. He was their champion. Everybody uh, had great respect for uh, David. He was the most uh, uh, honorable uh, king. 
He was well known and God made certain promises to David that he would never cease to have a man to sit upon his throne. Um, So uh, let me speak to you freely of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried. His tomb is right here with us today. And David, he says in verse 30, was actually functioning as a prophet when he wrote Psalm 16. So therefore being a prophet, this is verse 30, therefore being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to his flesh, he would raise up the Christ, the Messiah, the Lord's anointed, to sit on his throne. That was made clear in the Old Testament. David would have a descendant to sit on his throne and rule and reign as king over Israel. So verse 31, he, David, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, the resurrection of the Messiah, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. So Psalm 16 is referring to Jesus and his resurrection. Verse 32 says this, Jesus God has raised up, of which we apostles were all witnesses. Verse 33, therefore... Uh, Jesus being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. So this this event that you see happening in Jerusalem, while many people are are empowered and unable to speak uh, various languages, so each person uh, uh, coming to Jerusalem from various parts of the Roman Empire could hear the gospel in their own language, this is due to the working of God's Holy Spirit, which was poured out in a special way on the day of Pentecost. Verse 34. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but David himself says, now we have a quote from Psalm 110. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So again, this would be the Lord, the Lord God the Father said to my Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, you Jesus, you sit at my right hand till I make all your enemies your footstool. So that's a picture of Jesus exalted to the right hand of God the Father with every enemy, every foe, every hostile being or creature in the entire universe brought into subordination the sovereign, ruling, reigning power of Jesus Christ. That's the direction in which history is going to the supreme and unrivaled lordship of Jesus. Everything will be brought under the lordship of Jesus. By the way, I understand Psalm 110 is the most frequently quoted verse from the Old Testament in the New Testament. It is quoted about six times, I believe. Six times we have Psalm 110, verse 1, cited in the New Testament. So Jesus is Lord. And I need to live my life like Jesus really is Lord. That means I need to put all of my faith and my trust and confidence in Him. I need to get rid of all my my worries and my fears and my anxieties. Jesus is Lord. He died for me. He was raised again for me. He lives for me. And there's nothing Jesus cannot do. There's no problem He cannot solve. We may not necessarily solve it the way I would like it to be solved, but Jesus is in control of my life. He's my Lord. And as my Lord, I also need to bring my life into subordination to his plans and his will. Because his plans and his will for me are good for me. I'll be the happiest person and the most contented person, having the most peace when I live my life according to the ways of Jesus. If I live my life for myself according to what I think is best, I probably won't have as much peace or as much joy or as much contentment. So I need to really live each and every day like Jesus is truly Lord. And we also need to live like Jesus is truly Lord of this church. Let's, not, let's make sure we're not taking this church for granted. Uh, let's make sure we're really uh, honoring the Lord who is the Lord of this church. So then we come to verse 36. After Peter makes his uh, big point 
uh, from Psalm 110, he says this, Therefore, here's the, here's the upshot of everything Peter has been saying. Here's the climactic point. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly, know without a doubt, know emphatically, that God, notice that, it's God, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified. Boy, how many times has Peter said that? Whom you people crucified, whom you people made us make, whom you people rejected because you didn't know who he was. At least three times, he's really rubbing it in. You people crucified Jesus. But let all the house of Israel know assuredly that this, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Jesus is the supreme Lord over all. He's been raised from the dead, seated at the right hand of God the Father. And he is certainly and truly the Messiah, the Lord's anointed for this world. God is sovereign. The Bible is true. Jesus is Lord. So what do the people do? Oh, boy. Wow. We made a mistake. <laughs> you know, what are we going to do? Notice verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were, they were cut to the heart. In other words, their, their, their conscience was pricked. They realized they had sinned. They had crucified the Lord of glory. And Peter said to the, uh, Peter and all the rest of the apostles said to them, men and, uh, they said to, to them, men and brethren, what shall we do? Can, can we, is there anything we can do? Is it too late? Because it's never too late. As long as his life and breath, it's not too late. Then Peter just simply said, repent. Let everyone repent, be baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit for the remission and the forgiveness of sins. For the promise is to you, to the Jewish people, and the promise is also to the Gentiles, to those who are afar off. As many as will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That comes out of the quote from uh, Joel that appears earlier in the chapter. And of course, uh, the good news is about 3,000 were added to the church that day. This represents the early preaching of Jesus. Jesus crucified, Jesus uh, uh, killed for us and for our sins, raised in triumph from the dead. We should live as a victorious people. We don't need to cower in fear. We can be confident about what we believe because it's true. It happened. It was... uh, uh, corroborated and vouchsafed to us by the witness of the apostles and countless other people that saw the Lord Jesus Christ alive. Now let's go out and live like we really serve a risen, glorious, powerful, invincible Savior who is Lord, who is at the throne of God, who is coming back to rule and reign in this world as the King of Kings. Let's make the Lord Jesus Christ and His agenda a priority for our lives. Not an afterthought, not something we do if it's convenient or when we get around to it, but let's make Jesus' agenda for our lives our priority. He is Lord, and we're blessed and privileged to live our lives underneath His sovereign Lordship. It's the safest place to be, living our lives under the sovereign Lordship of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that we'd use this passage and this brief Bible meditation this evening to encourage all of us in our faith, help us to persevere, help us not to give up or quit, help us to be strong, help us to be valiant for you, and Lord, give us that passion to know you and to know more about Jesus. And Lord, help us to appreciate the the, the grace and the salvation that Jesus has, has extended to us more and more each and every day. Loosen our lips to praise you. Open our hearts wide to your word. Help us to pray each day and to honor you in all things, Lord. And again, help us as we leave to realize what a privileged people we are to live out our lives under the shepherding care of him who died for us and was raised again from the dead and who ever lives for us. 
I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let's sing our final hymn. Hymn number 13. We'll sing the first, the middle stanza, and the last. The first, the third, and the last. Hymn number 13. Crown him with many crowns, the Lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns. All music 